You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon, aka DJ Jello Cup. Why Jello Cup? I was out of ideas. <laughs> You're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s to the early 2000s, and we rip off said rose-colored glasses you may have about these movies, oh my God. and then we break them in half and uh, throw them back in your face, and uh, you know, call you names. I was just what washing down. <laughs> Dude, it's Oktoberfest. We're actually drinking Oktoberfest for yeah. our fourth movie for Oktoberfest. Dude, we've got some news to share. Dude, this was going to be our fourth and final Oktoberfest movie. We had a vote out where you could choose from what were the uh, Sleepy Hollow, Freddy vs. Jason. Jason, Final Destination, and Halloween H2O. Uh, thank you to everybody who suggested your ideas, by the way. We got a ton of votes. Yeah, and uh, the gods intervened, and by some goddamn miracle, <laughs> we had a tie. Because, of course! A legit tie. And instead of sacking up and just picking one and disappointing people, we decided that... You guys deserve a Halloween treat, all right? So we're releasing this episode normal day, okay? But guess what? On Halloween day, we're also dropping... Halloween H2. Holy shit. So yeah, by the title of this episode, you know, we're doing Final Destination, but it was th- between those two, they ran away with it, man. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, there were a lot of people who, I mean, we had a couple people. We did for both. All, I'm, Sleepy Hollow and Freddy versus Jason, but these two were absolutely the the favorites. No one got away. skunked if this yeah, was a no sports. If this was a I mean, there are participation medals and then technically a tie, so we're living in a bad society, but it doesn't matter. <sighs> we're we just going to project yeah, Exactly. Snowflakes, yeah. dude. Yeah, whatever. But honestly, if uh, if I could do all four, I would. Oh, 100%. And that's not to say we might not Who do knows? the other two Who movies. Knows? But uh, for the sake of Oktoberfest, we are going to do Final Destination tonight. And we will do Halloween H2O on and release that on Halloween. Yeah, so two, two just an extra episode, a bonus yeah. episode for you guys. You we'll still be it. on track for our November listener request month. Um, we'll let you know what movie we're doing the, for the kickoff at the end of this episode, but that's the later, okay? Let's focus on the task at hand, Zach. Yep. Final Destination, 2000s horror thriller. Wow, man. It had been a few years since I had seen this. Uh, yeah. What's your history with the movie? Oh, dude. So you were rooting for this. Well, oh, full disclosure, no. Zach wanted this movie to, to I win. I severely wanted this <laughs> I don't this even, movie honestly, he could have just created Facebook accounts and, and, and hack. This could be a... I, I, I do want to just A Bush-Gore election. <laughs> I, I did not in any way skew the vote. Um, but I was rooting for this because this is one of those movies that I remember watching when I was probably too young to be watching a movie like this. Yeah. And I remember uh, this movie scared me off of airplanes for quite a while. Oh, so you were a little bitch. Yeah, a little, a little baby bitch, dude. <laughs> dude, but, I love this movie. But no, I did love this movie, and I yeah. loved rewatching it. I had so much fun with this movie, not this, to give it away. No, but. this was a fun revisit. Um, and yeah, Roger Ebert said on the back here that it's smarter and more original than most dead teenager movies, and I'd have to agree. I agree with that about 30%. Yeah, so the only thing really original going about it is its basic concept, yeah. which I think is a pretty good one for a horror movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, his other review stated, uh, he gave it three stars, and he said, it'll be a hit, no doubt, and will inspire the obligatory sequels. Like the original Scream, this movie is too good to be the end of the road. And that's absolutely true. Like, the idea, the chestnut idea here, wound up spawning four more sequels. This is one of the most profitable horror franchises of all time. So the first one was made for $23 million. It made $53 million in the States and $112 million worldwide. Mm -hmm. Pretty nice little hit. And New Line, at this time... This is past their bread and butter for their Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, I believe this was around the time they were securing the rights for the... No, this was before. They had already got the Friday the 13th series. So they were churning out sequel after sequel. And about the 2000s era, they had nothing. They really weren't pumping out anything. This was before they went back to Freddy vs. Jason... Yeah, another seminal classic. Of course, yeah. (laughs) But uh, so this is, you know, Robert Shea, the executive producer at New Line... He they needed a, a hit franchise and this was it. Like they peddled these movies for the next ten, fifteen years and I went to see, I think from the third one on was by the time I was old enough to actually watch these in theaters, or at least sneak in or whatnot. Right. So the third, fourth, and fifth I saw in theaters. The fourth one is absolute dog shit. I oh, hate that. Movie. That's that one's the final. The final destination. Right? Yeah. That is terrible. Oh, that one takes place movie. at a racetrack. Yeah. Uh, the fifth one's not too bad. The third one's not terrible. And I actually, this may be an unpopular opinion. I think the second one may be my favorite of them all. Yeah. No, I think I would actually agree with that too. I've only seen uh, one, two, and the final destination. So two ones that um, I liked in general, and then. Uh, another one that, like you said, was absolutely terrible. Before we get into the plot of this, let's just look at the cast here, okay? <sighs> this has a cast of some early 2000s favorites, oh all right? God. So right off the bat, it's Devin Sawa. Now, first off, I went my entire life thinking his name was Devin Soya, and I looked up a YouTube <laughs> video specifically for this purpose because I couldn't, I was not 100% sure on it, and I was let down. It's like finding out Santa Claus wasn't real. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. But. <laughs> no, but, like, uh, Devin Sawa, we actually just watched Idle Hands. Zach had never we did, seen we it. Did we this, watched it for the hell yeah, of it, guys. We did this for the hell of it, and, dude, Devin Sawa is... About as close to a Hollywood miracle as you can get. I do not understand <laughs> casting him in anything. Anything. He was in last week's Casper as the what? sexy hunk, and he grew up to have disgusting he skin. Was disgusting. Dude, we couldn't get over it. I think this may be because we watched it on Blu-ray on a pretty big, you know, it's a 55-inch screen, so yeah. it's like blown up, it's high definition, and maybe you couldn't see this on the DVD because I never remembered it until watching it this time. He has disgusting blackheads everywhere. All, like, what well, was the makeup department doing? Well, and the thing was that we rem- I remember thinking this when we were watching Idle Hands, too. Was yep. Devin Sawa does not look good. He <laughs> he's a grosso dude. Dirty, and he's not a great actor, no, either. No, greasy hair. And But in this one, he's got that you know pushed up bangs, which we were all doing. Yeah, we all did that. Look, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Yeah, I did it, too. Okay. Bad times. Ugh. But uh, besides him, we also got a little Kerr Smith, um, mm-hmm. who plays just a genuine asshole. I love this character of Carter. Character we'll get into him a bit later. I love 90s bullies, if that <laughs> yep. hasn't become apparent. Dude, he's and this Ryan Phillippe is... with black hair. Oh, he. I think he's... I think he's worse than Ryan Phillippe. I think he's a dick. He really is. And but we also got like some side characters. Amer- uh, Amanda Detmer, Allie Larder plays Clear, who's kind of the the main love interest in this. And she she went on to be in the second one. Actually, mm-hmm. I think the only character to ever reprise their role in one of these movies, if I'm not uh, mistaken, anyway, except for Tony Todd, who's of course. You know, a, a favorite character of ours. Right. We'll get to him a bit later, but there's one more name I want to mention, and that's Stifler. Like, Stifler, Sean, yeah, Sean William, William Scott. Scott. 
Yeah. It was a great, uh, great pleasure seeing this gentleman. Uh, it's sad he doesn't get more movie I roles. I was going to say, he really should. I mean, you and I are big fans of Goon. Oh, love um, Goon. Very big fan of Goon. Sean William Scott's in there. Um, but... I, and I just remember when we were watching this, I think we got halfway through the movie, and I was like, this is a pretty gross underuse of Sean William Scott. He doesn't really have a ton of lines in this movie. He doesn't. And from what I understand, I believe this was his second movie right after American Pie, which he was working at a Home Depot when he got cast <laughs> as Stifler. Uh, and so this movie, I feel like the writers probably wrote a little, a little more jokes in there for him because he was known as a comedic type talent kind of upright, like right. rising um, in young Hollywood and whatnot, because... He's literally the only person giving any comedic relief in this movie. Yeah, but his role is completely different. He's like a nerdy, like... He's getting, like, picked on, and he's Sean yeah. William Scott. Like, how... <laughs> I was like, I literally watched this man beat the crap out of people in Goon. Like, yeah. he's, he's an enormous human being now. And apparently he's a scrawny idiot in Final Destination. <laughs> Whatever. So, uh, before we get into the plot, too, and we will get into the plot in a second, but um, I, I also want to point out that this movie came out when? 2000? 2000. Uh, and what what was one of the more popular films there? Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Actually, so this is bizarre, dude. Shrek actually came out in 2001. Oh. So they got the jump on him. Wow. Okay. Because there's an agent in this movie named Shrek. And agent it, Shrek? And again, like, this wouldn't have meant anything in 2000 pre-Shrek, but after this, I can't stop. We could like, not get over <laughs> Agent so Shrek. Weird. We were so obsessed with Agent Shrek. He does have a C, full disclaimer. It's S-H-R-E-C-K. I oh, looked it up. God. But, uh, All right, well, really weird. Yeah, but I want an Agent Shrek. They were probably planning Agent Shrek spinoffs. Oh, we like, oh yeah, we'll call we've it got, Shrek. Yeah, we got Shrek, got Shrek like, 2 already written. Yeah, Shrek 3, the final Shrekking or something The final like chapter, I think they did. Yeah. <laughs> They're all for this actor, who, by the way, is the most soft-spoken ass. We're getting so far. Yeah, we are, we are. Really. All right, let's, let's dive in. Yeah. Focus up, dude. Yeah. Knock it off. Let's Here go. we go. So, because this is a movie that came out after Seven, we've got to have a moody title sequence, dude. There's oh, this yeah. long two and a half minutes of just shots of eerily photographed fans and, yeah. and moving newspapers and moonlit rooms. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like it. It's it's a little too long, but what it's, it's really funny long. is... There's so many things in here that mean nothing. There's a book of death of death of a salesman. There's a shot of death of a salesman. Yeah. Like it means something. The like, themes don't apply no to this. Themes <laughs> that interconnect with death Other of a salesman. Death. Or, yeah, <laughs> someone dies. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like all these like newspaper articles about like death and stuff. That's like flat books and whatnot. And that's does, it. it doesn't matter though, dude. Because then we're cut to I guess it's the next day. Whatever. We're in Devin Sawyer's room. Sawa's room. See, I'm going to do it all my Jesus life, dude. Christ, Devin dude. Sawa. We're in his room, and uh, he's packing. He's going to France. He's on this senior trip. He's large and in charge, and he's got some bangs. And oh they're nice God. and vertical. Yes. Uh, they are nice, vertical. They have been he's tucked. got a pecker poster on his dorm. No, I mean, in his, on his room, no one had a pecker he's poster. He's a baggy sweatshirt. He's a 90s kid, man. Yes, he he's is. about as 90s as you get. And he's got uh, some superstitions. Mm -hmm. He's packing his luggage, and he's always had the same luggage tag on there, and he says uh, to his mom, who's like, oh, why are you keeping this on there? It's pretty fucking dumb, you dumb dumb. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, you, you know, it's, it's good luck. And she kills her son immediately by ripping it off. Yep. <laughs> She's the cause of all this. Oh yeah, and you can tell that she is the cause of all this because it slows Slow, down. It's like even like a wind, yeah. like a wind whistle. Like, yeah, they change, it they change the frame rate. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, <sighs> so as he falls asleep, uh, you know his clock there says one o'clock, and it starts flashing to one eighty. And this is the part that we started talking. 
at what point does his premonitions begin? Because it seems like the premonition would begin on the plane, which is from what I remembered watching it. Yeah. But it seems like death is giving him all these signs leading up to it, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, there's this thing that keeps coming back in this movie where, like, an open window, like, the wind will blow and, like, push something. Yeah. And that will be, like, a sign for the – more for the audience that death is coming. But it it just seems kind of pointless. Like, all these signs start happening almost immediately. He doesn't even see any of them. And, like, we don't know what it means at all. Yeah, the only thing I'm, I'm led to believe is that the series of events leading to his death are have been set in motion and that these are, like, the precursors or, or the things hinting at it. But it's it just, it, in the world of the movie, does everyone get this or is it just him? Um, I, I don't know. But so he, he finishes sleeping, wakes up, and is at the airport to go on a class trip to France. And we're introduced to three indistinguishable white guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all look the same. By the way, they're in New York City. There's barely any black students. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. There's, but, like, even a central character, we, we have Tony Todd. But, like, come on, guys. It's 2000s whitewashing. Yeah, whitewashing. Anyway, uh, the three indistinguishable white guys, there's George and Todd, who are these two brothers who I guess are friends with Alex. Mm-hmm. There's also Carter, like we mentioned, who's Kerr Smith. He's just wearing jeans and a white T-shirt, dude. He's kind of well, rich Letterman, Letterman jacket. Yeah. So you know he's what a, a fucking awesome dude. So we're introduced to all these these characters, and there's also Carter's girlfriend, who's this cute blonde Amanda Detmer. You've seen her mm-hmm. in a few other movies later on. Yep. And then there's also Billy, who is Sean William Scott. And then there's also this sexy teacher, uh, <laughs> Mrs. Yeah. Luton, I guess. Mrs. Luton, yeah. Big fan of Mrs. Luton. Also, so they, this I, is a French class, right? Yes, this is a French class. They're going on a trip to France. Right on. 40 students, I think. Or no, maybe like 36 and four teachers or something. It doesn't yep, matter, yep. yeah. So they're going to uh, get essentially and there's all these little signs so the first thing is his tickets the same as his or his departure is the same as his birthday 925 is, is the same like boarding gate or or plane or some shit i don't know it doesn't matter um <laughs> but then all these yeah the signs the little ticker board up there everything's flashing and it, it's all shot as if to like be menacing or foreboding but it, it doesn't really give you much it's yeah, just like really numbers under- flashing yeah you can't really understand what any of it is either but my favorite sign comes when uh, Todd comes up to, I, I already Alex, forgot, yeah, Alex Devin Sawa, and, <laughs> yeah, four Ed and, and convinces him that he needs to take a poop. So there's so has, much shit talking. this movie. To, yeah, this is like a thirty second. Like they discuss pooping on an airplane. He's like, dude, you have to poop because let's say you eat food, then you poop on the plane, and then one of the hot girls follows <laughs> you in, and they're just going to associate you with a poop smell. Dude, it's a fear we all have. Hard cut. I believe he calls it torque a wicked cable is what he says. Torque a wicked cable. That's right. He's a likable character. Hard cut to the bathroom. And vertical shot of both of them taking a deuce and we're introduced to our first playing of this John Denver song, Rocky Mountain High, I believe. Yeah, Rocky Mountain High. Guess what, guys? John Denver. John Denver. He died in a plane crash. Died in a plane crash. And they're realizing this as poop splashing in the toilet <laughs> but it's so weird like i don't know it's why they have to do this in the, in the bathroom but whatever <laughs> no, I don't know. um so he goes outside and it's horror movie lightning out which by the way they would delay the plane right that I, at every airport yeah, i've I mean, ever a, been there's to a, there's lightning within seeing distance of the terminal and it's horror movie lightning so it's happening every 20 seconds yeah uh sorry we're delaying the flight yeah deal with it and this is so he again he keeps seeing all these signs i shouldn't be going on this plane they're all little small little things that you see on a day-to-day basis that you wouldn't necessarily even give an extra thought to but on this day he feels something afoot oh god 
One of the more insensitive lines in the movie is as they board, they're walking on and his buddy George is like, oh, don't worry, dude, the plane's not going to crash. It'd take a really fucked up god to do that because, one, there's a baby screaming. Then he looks over and there's this physically disabled man who's clearly in pain or something. And then he's like, yeah, really fucked up god. So Did the writers yeah. in the front seat of the auditorium look behind them to yeah, check the like, crowd to see how many people were laughing at that like, one? <laughs> but it was just silence like... <clears throat> No, there was one guy who was like, <clears throat> I don't know. That, that My dis- uncle's disabled. Yeah, that that joke was distasteful. Did not set with me. Mm-mm. Wow. Bad start. <laughs> you got to win me back, movie. Right but <laughs> So as he's seated, uh, you know, these early 2000s hotties come over. And by that, I mean, mm. they're very color coordinated. They are. They're both <laughs> they're wearing, wearing, like, You blue. wear blue. You wear pink. You're two different. One's blonde. <laughs> one's brown. And... That's how we distinguish we our move women. Move on, your hotties. Get the titties out of here. So they come up to him and they're like, can you uh, please move? Because they ask Todd and again he goes like, oh, I can't. I have a urinary tract infection. Which, by the way, that's a great way to start off trying to woo oh, a woman, well, now by I'm the way. turned on. <laughs> yeah, now I'm never looking oh, at wow, your penis. Oh, wow, your penis is infected? <laughs> Tell me more, stud. So, yeah, his plan backfires for some reason. And yeah, she crazy. goes to ask Alex. He says, yeah, sure, whatever. So he goes over to move by Todd. He goes, and there's all these, again, these little things. He pulls the uh, little latch pin or whatever that holds the dinner tray up yeah. and it falls out. His air won't work. Um, and these are all just like little moments that will be recalled later. Again, wouldn't mean anything in your day-to-day life. Yeah. And so Claire, the whole time also, by the way, is like watching him. You can tell she has, she is, by the way, a a philosopher of sorts. What is she reading, by the way? Okay, so she starts out reading uh, Tropic of Cancer. What is that? It's a book. It's a very... words in it? Yeah. Are those those things nerds read? Yeah. I mean, she, oh, let's be clear. She's a nerd. But she's a cute nerd. She's a cute nerd, so we won't bash her. Tragedy makes her more beautiful later, which is weird. <sighs> yeah, we'll talk about that. Does but, that to us all. Um, but, so she's reading the Tropic of Cancer when she first enters the, the the airport. And then it cuts to a scene where she's sitting down in the terminal reading an entirely different book. Quick reader, dude. Quick re- Or just like a attention deficit disorder. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So anyway, they're on the plane. It starts to take off. Uh, You know, he's feeling very nervous. Then there's some turbulence or whatnot. Meanwhile, Stifler's stuffing his fucking face full of whoppers. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) This whole time. Because, again, he, like, walks around Carter, who's like, I'll fucking beat you up. You walk near me. Why is Stifler being bullied? (laughs) It's probably because he's wearing a Rangers jersey. That Which, by the way, is clearly a black market Rangers jersey. It doesn't have, like, the number on the back. It doesn't have, like, an official NHL logo anywhere. So it finished 49th for the year, and I mentioned that because the number two seed here is Castaway, mm-hmm. which had a, an amazing plane crash sequence, as well as Fight Club in 99, which also kind of reminded me of this, which I think both of those do it a little better, but with yeah. the budget they had here, this is pretty effective. Well, I was telling you before we started recording that I flew about two months ago. Brag. Deal with it. And this... Uh, this scene really captures kind of the uncomfortable feeling of turbulence and like the lights yeah. are flashing. Like you can tell something's wrong and it, it does a pretty good job of capturing that. I'm also a nervous flyer. So that, that probably didn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the entire, yeah, the plane starts to literally just explode. And this is a cool shot because the flames just destroy Devin Sawa's face. It's just like, <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> 
flashes ah, his it. His makeup's melting. Holy shit. But uh, yeah, I like that scene. And then it gets so intense, so intense. And then boom, he yeah. wakes up. Oh my God, it was a... I didn't think he'd get any more greasy and sweaty. But lo and behold, the makeup <laughs> department surprised me. And he's more disgusting looking. And he's flipping the fuck out, thinking the plane's going to destroy. He jumps over his couple seats to check to see if that latch falls out from yeah. his dream previously. And it does. It does, dude. And so he's like, this fucking plane's going to explode. And then Carter immediately is like, the fuck's your problem, Brownie? He immediately wants to beat the shit out yeah, of Alex. Yeah, he takes a swing at him. Yeah. So everyone in the aisle at the, at the point of this skirmish, this little scuffle, has to get escorted off the plane. So there's mm-hmm. Billy, Sean William Scott. There's Carter. There's his girlfriend. There's Alex. There's this sexy teacher. There's also that ugly, weird teacher named Larry who's there for some reason. He's there originally. Yeah. And then as they get escorted off, uh, his buddy, Todd, runs off after him and clear... For some reason, who has never said a word to him in four years of high school, yeah. which is revealed later, just decides like she believes him, gets she, up off the plane, and leaves. <sighs> so they're all like kind of fighting still in the uh, airport there as they're watching the plane kind of leave. Billy and everyone's kind of sad that they're not going to be able to go to France. Carter at one point is just like, you're going to fucking pay for my trip, Browning. <laughs> he goes to beat the shit out of him again. They're fighting and whatnot. And then this is, the, this is what the movie's about, dude. As they're fighting... The plane fucking explodes. It blows up. And the, I like this effect because it explodes in the distance, probably miles out or whatnot. Yeah. And the glass of the airport shatters. Uh, it's kind of cool. I remember that being really impactful. That was a trailer shot, it dude. It was pretty cool, yeah. And so everyone's just freaked the fuck out, as you would be. like, Because, yeah. uh, you know, at first everyone's like, why did you get us kicked off? He, and he explains that he saw, you know, what would happen, that the plane would explode. Yeah. And then to see that happen, you know, yeah, you'd be pooping your pants. And, dude. of course, the FBI doesn't really believe that. They're like, how you... You can't go onto a plane and say it's going to blow up and then have it blow up later and people not be suspicious. Yeah. This comes after that scene where they're all just kind of awkwardly waiting in the the room there, kind of waiting for their families to arrive. And that's Mm -hmm. when we get Agent Ween and Agent Shrek, dude. Oh, that's right. Agent Ween, too. (laughs) Dude, these guys are the personifications of human farts. They're just like fart people. You know what would have been cool if Agent Ween was a donkey, a talking donkey? If only, dude. We messed up. We one, missed an one opportunity. One year from now. Yeah. So they start questioning him pretty much, you know, like, you, you look so guilty in this. <laughs> like, yeah. What? Like, whoa, give us anything. Yeah. yeah. And so pretty much he explains his story. And we keep cutting to a few of the people. That they seem to be having survivor's guilt. You know, yeah. like, I told Larry to go back on the plane. He did. And Miss Luton's now a sexy, sad teacher. Yeah. Not good. No. <laughs> sexy, sad. So the family show up to console all the kids and whatnot, and we get this little news story, uh, which is basically showing kind of the rubble, the devastation of this yeah. plane crash. They're like picking up someone's leg. <laughs> no, it's really like scandalous yeah. news footage. For okay, fake sure. news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Sal was on the couch, ugly crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His face looks oh, so derpy beautiful. in this scene. It's so bad. But uh, and again, more horror movie lightning. There's a goddamn hurricane happening outside. I can't get over this in movies because I just like they just don't understand how lightning works. Yeah, there's thunder and lightning in in, in fifty times within a scene. Sometimes you'd think movie makers have never been in a thunderstorm before. Well, you'd think that'd just be like a, a cliche that we would have retired at this yeah. point. You know, sometimes like there are certain things in movies that you just can't do anymore because it's so tired. And again, this is back in two thousand, so this is seventeen years I still ago. Think man, it's a little tired at that point. But what do I know? But the filmmaker apparently James Wong did not. He did. Final Destination. He also did The One. I don't know if you saw that with Jet Li and Jason Statham. No, Pretty I did dumb. not see that. <laughs> He also yeah. did Final Destination 3 and oh man, Dragon Ball Evolution, the live oh, action movie. Oh, that movie was so bad. <laughs> 
So then 39 days all of a sudden pass, and we're at this, like, community school memorial uh, mm-hmm. type thing where they're all kind of just paying respects to, the, what, 40 people that died or something 40, like that? Well, 39, I think they said. Okay. I think the news estimated 40, and the actual body count was 39. Hashtag fake news. Everyone there is really pissed off at Alex for some reason. I get it. Like, it seems really suspicious, but at the same yeah. time, he saved, you know, these people's lives, kind of. Yeah. But Carter, you know, again, the hero of the movie, you know, yeah. he comes up to him and he's like, I don't know, you a fucking thing, Browning. Like, I'm going to live my life to the fullest. And then the best line of the movie, I control my life and not you. I'm never going to die. <laughs> we laughed <laughs> so hard. Gonna I'm die. never going to die. Like, oh, my he's God. He's the best. And, uh... <laughs> can't get over it the only thing funnier than that line is the very next like shot here which is him standing with well, like todd comes over to him and apparently in these 39 days they have not spoken to each other nope. because the dad's super pissed because george wound up, who's todd's brother wound up dying and whatnot and like if you were to just take this scene just out take of, this out scene of context. out of context it seems like like two buddies who like wound up having like a night out and just wound up banging and now they're like <laughs> trying to like reconsole hey, i know this sounds kind of gay but I miss you. Yeah, so he's like, when your dad gets over this, we'll go down to the city, catch the Yanks. <laughs> <laughs> just you and me. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny if you really just like watch that one scene. It, it, it's hilarious <laughs> yeah, out of context. context. It's really bad. Claire, though, is the only one who seems thankful in all this. She gives him a white rose, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, for because of you, I walked off that plane. Like, yeah. you saved my life. Yeah. That night, however, Todd needs to shit again. Of course. Uh, so he goes into the bathroom, and this is the scene that I will say is probably the most memorable from this for me, I think. What, 30 minutes in, we have a second poop shot? Yeah, me too, dude. Yeah, again, it's not the poop shot, dude, but the death scene itself yeah, is no, a pretty, is pretty fun one. Pretty brutal, yeah. And what I will say is, for the most part, this is the only death in the movie that seems like specifically manipulated by death and not yeah. just a household accident or some accident. Like this one, the water is moving from the toilet seat and it's specifically manipulating the events. It also seems like the most preventable one too, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Oktoberfest, yeah, keeping the right? train a-chugging. Mm-hmm. So 32 minutes in, dude, we got two shit scenes. I'm digging that. <laughs> no, so we mentioned it earlier. The water from the toilet starts dripping and starts forming like a puddle. And it's all this foreshadow. Oh, how is he going to die? And that became really the whole thing about this entire series was just like, how how can we get these people to die? What's right. the fun Rue Goldbergian like, yeah. way we can off these characters? And how can we make you think one thing's about to mm-hmm. happen and have something else entirely different happen? It's all misdirection. So this is all cross-cut with <laughs> then we're Devin Sawa's room. His desk is covered in air disaster books and like serial killer news clippings and shit. No, but like, there's just all this bizarre stuff that any FBI agent would be like, "Yeah, you're yeah, the fucking guy. Flag. You definitely blew up this place." What is this like the uh, what's that? The cookbook, the anarchist cookbook, or something? Oh, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, might yeah, as well yeah, have yeah. like Jesus, dude. But even tragedy. Can't stop hormones, dude. No. As he's sitting there, he looks at a picture of Claire in the local newspaper at this memorial, and he's just like, I guess thinks she's pretty hot in that photo. And for some reason, he digs into his drawers and finds a penthouse and just starts staring Yeah, at just starts it. staring at nude photos. <laughs> dude, the most realistic part of this entire movie right there. You can't you change got- a, a t- raging teenage hormones. Listen, he's obsessed with this tragedy. It's driving him crazy. But he got bored and had to jerk off really quick. It's, you know, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> 
So meanwhile, Todd uh, starts shaving with zero shaving cream, no water. He takes an old fucking razor that yeah, no like one a uses anymore. single blade razor that no one's ever used in the last decade. And shock of the century, he cuts his neck accidentally. But again, what was he trying to do? This is the stupidest thing about I this scene. I don't know what's happening. He's like shaving against the grain. If you watch just plot points, how he literally walks into the bathroom. Like, looks at himself in the mirror, takes a shit, gets up, looks back in the mirror, cuts picks himself. up a razor, cuts himself, then starts trimming his nose hairs, and then goes, oh, fuck, I gotta pick up the laundry that's hanging off. Like, it's the weirdest series of events as you walk into what a bathroom. What are you doing in this bathroom? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It seemed like you had no agenda other than to poop. Poop and get out. You, poop you'd be alive. Leave. Get your business done and move on. You probably wouldn't die. Then back to the room there, an owl shows up in Devin Sawyer's, and he's like, flips out, and then he gets a little sad because he's been, you know... <laughs> Masturbating in the face of tragedy or whatever. No, he's not really masturbating, but he, he gets sad, ashamed of himself, puts yeah. away the magazine, and then throws another one at the owl, which gets shredded into the fan, which gives him his first little sign that something may be afoot. It's just this little news clipping that says, Todd. And it, does it really, like, it never gives him the names of anybody else. It just Again, tells him that Todd's dying. I feel dying. like maybe after this one scene, like, the writers were like, we can't do this for every death. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is just this one thing to kind of set it all to up. To just, like, push in motion that things are going to happen. So then finally, dude, this guy gets it, Todd. He slips on the water. His neck goes, or the the, the clothesline, essentially, that's hanging above the, the bat, the, the, the tub, the tub snaps or whatever, wraps around his neck, pulls him into the tub, and because there's shampoo and shit, in the bottom of the, the tub, he can't get his footing, and he winds up choking to death. Yeah, hanging himself. Yeah, but it's a really intense scene, as, like, feet are stri- scrambling. I don't know why he can't just put his hands his on eyes, the sides of the tub and yeah, lift himself up. Like, his, like, eyes fill with blood. I don't know. Yep. I, I get that he's panicking, but I, I remember watching it being like, this seems like an easily preventable death. You literally just put your hands on the tub, lift yourself up, and you're fine. Yeah, like, at least it's just fix whatever's yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't. <laughs> he no, but he doesn't it. because he's in a horror movie. And his parents, you know, believe that he committed suicide in a horrible Out of way. survivor guilt. Yeah. Exactly. And they kind of blame Alex because he arrives on scene um, to find the, you know, coroner bringing out the body and whatnot. And the dad's just like, fuck you, dude. If I was standing next to a dead loved one and Devin Sawyer walked up, I'd probably blame him, too. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So then we cut to the next day when a giant tree star falls out and lands right in front of their Devon. So you know what you remember, Sawa. dude? We were talking. I can't stop, dude. Sawa. I uh, tree too. stars. Oh, yeah. Tree stars. From Land That's Before right, Time. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Giant leaves, dude, and how appetizing they looked in that movie. Yeah, oh, my God. I could go for a tree star right now, dude. I'm hungry. So clear. She's uh, we get a little more of her backstory. I think she's living alone, right? She's like an emancipated minor, and she's also a sexy welder. Oh, she is sexy welding. She's rocking the midriff. Oh, so much midriff, dude. A little tummy action. Yep. We all like the navel. <laughs> so Sawa comes in. I, I hate that fucking name, dude. Sawa. I hate his face, his skin, and his name. Yeah, I <laughs> okay. I really do. But she's apparently making sculptures out of Alex, and she's like, this is how you make me feel. It's not you, really. It's just how you make me feel. And it's just like this rusted copper head on a fucking spring. It's real deep. P.S. This has nothing to do with the rest of the This whole scene could have been removed. Removed immediately. And she tells him, like, four years of high school, and we haven't talked to each other, and in that one moment, I felt like I knew you. All right. Well, show me your toes. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Like, I did Sawa's reaction, he, his finest bit of acting, because his reaction to this is so <laughs> a great reaction so shot. So freaking bad. He's literally just, like, looking down at the ground. He's, like, kind of smiling. Like Her eyes are darting back and forth, too, like that guy Dude, from Identity. Yeah, yeah, really creepy. It was so weird. 
This is a weird scene. The whole scene is just strange and unnecessary. Yeah, and he's getting to this whole thing like what if Todd was just the first? Like what if we what if we were supposed to die and we cheated death? Right. So she decides like, well maybe we could find some clues on Todd and how about we break into the mortuary and I like sounds romantic. Let's do it. Yeah. So there's this whole little B&E scene, dude, and they wind up stumbling into this like old school mortuary where Todd's lifeless corpse is and all of a sudden his hand twitches and there's a nice little jump scare and then Tony fucking Todd, Candyman himself, literally exits or entrance enters the scene from a cave. From a fucking cave, <laughs> dude. There's a cave it's never side. explained. You'd never <laughs> see it again. It's a cave. He's coming out of a fucking cave <laughs> into the mortuary. It's just built in the side. Like, I, I don't down fucking here. understand it. <laughs> So weird, but he comes over and great, great delivery. He's all just you know, really good scene actually. Steely, icy cold. I love his voice and yeah. shit. He's you know, he's a class actor. He's been in horror movies for you know, fucking decades. So he's he's got his shit down. He makes these two dipshits look dumb as yeah, hell. But yeah. anyway, he comes in. He's basically like the chemicals in the body causes muscle spasms. Did you like that? That was my Tony. <laughs> that was really, really bad. Really good, dude. <laughs> But yeah, he gives a great speech about kind of death's sadistic design leading to the grave, basically asking the ch- the question, like, can you cheat death? Basically, you already have. You know what I mean? You you manipulated death's design when you got off of that plane. But, but he also kind of uh, stresses the point that, you know, eventually death catches up. Yep. And so as they are leaving, we get that trailer line. I'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Really genuine laugh. I like that. Yeah. So then we cut to this outdoor cafe and they're chatting about kind of omens and whatnot. And he has this idea that, you know, maybe we've set in motion, you know, the chain of events that are leading to our death. And he sees this bus in the reflection of uh, this cafe, the windows there that, but the bus isn't the there. Bus isn't there. Yeah, yeah. So he starts to think, holy shit, maybe I'm having another premonition. Uh, you know, if we were meant to die, maybe death isn't finished with us. So unless we don't, unless we find the patterns and cheat it again, you know, we're all going to die. Whatever. Cut to dude, uh, our fucking hero Carter driving around with Terry with some, I think some nine inch nails are blaring in which the title of the film comes up. Final Final destination. Destination. (laughs) Dude, it's so good. Uh, so yeah, he's driving and then conveniently all the characters affected by this are in one one spot at the same time sean william scott comes driving up on a bike and then the sexy teacher walks out of the cafe and they're, so they're all just all there. there and so basically terry uh the blonde girlfriend of, of carter is pretty much like i'm i'm done like this is bullshit if you want to spend the rest of your life like kicking the shit out of alex then you can just drop fucking dead and then boom and then she the gets- fucking bus hits dude and it cuts to uh this alka seltzer water and whatnot and and you, we were actually talking about all this like this was a really long like 30 seconds of nothing happening after this amazing death scene like it's really good yeah, like it's, it's, it like takes splatters. you by surprise it's crazy it's pretty it's solid really good. and i'm i watched some of the behind the scenes and whatnot and the filmmakers were like we had to put in like 30 seconds of cushion of just like shots setting up the next scene because the audience was roaring like just cheering after that one scene dude what a I, fucking that's, congratulatory that's, pat on the back yeah. i love it so much like, like yeah. 
they were too fucking entertained, bro. They I were mean, missing dialogue in the next <laughs> scene. We had to reshoot. Fuck me. Final destination for life. <laughs> because the the dialogue in the next scene is super important, by the way. It's not. So there's this news story saying kind of the cause of they've, they've discovered, they've investigated, they found out the cause of the, pl- the crash, some sort of electrical issue. But they show this little map, this uh, kind of dramatization or whatever of how the explosion affected the the aircraft right and he notices that it that the it's, first two people to have died were todd and terry and therefore the people are dying in the order of which they would have died had the plane crash happened with them on it right so death is just coming back to refine the pattern that it missed in the plane so he traces out death's design on his sick 90s windows <laughs> computer yep. and uh Cut to, he's like, oh, shit, Mrs. Luden's next. So she's, you know, sexy teacher. She's starting to move because this has all become way too tragic for her. She can't, you know, walk the halls. She can't see the people's faces. It's just just way too tragic. She's become a shell of a former person. All around me are familiar things since. (laughs) So she sees fucking psycho Alex just wandering around outside her house and Good girl, she calls the police like you anybody should because he's being a goddamn weirdo. He's out there checking the tire pressure for her car as the police arrive, and they're like, "What are Dude, you?" I get what doing? he's doing. He's such a freak. He's so weird. It's like he's purposely making himself look so guilty. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, I better start messing with her car in case the FBI shows up. Oh, man. oh hey guys, <laughs> yeah. So Agent Shrek pulls up and get in the car. Get in the car. So she's listening to John Denver again, dude. This is what the second or third time this goddamn song's come I up. I think in the this movie. is like the third time we've heard. And for whatever reason, the filmmakers decided to shoot this scene at a different frame rate. It's definitely different, but like, it's kind of cool. I do. Like, I kind of yeah, like it. It's really like contrasty it. and, and dark and whatnot. And she's mm-hmm. preparing some tea uh, as she's packing up all of her belongings, whatnot, to to make the move mm-hmm. and. She pours it in this cup and then all of a sudden freaks the fuck out and throws the water because it said the name of the school on it. And she's like, come on, you can't keep doing this. It's just a cup. It's just a cup. Yes. Yeah, so, like, chill the fuck yeah, out. Chill the fuck out, lady. So it's been she, 40 days. Yeah. So she abandons her uh, her tea, decision to make yeah. tea and goes for the vodka instead because that's a smart decision. But what's not smart is, dude, she puts ice cubes hot cold it's gonna crack so it does it cracks mm-hmm. the little mug and then we get some more like little backstory and and kind of interviews between dev and sawa and the, and the fbi agents it means nothing it's just meant to kind of yeah, pad out the scene and add tension we get which it, it kind of does yeah you get it yeah, yeah of course so back to the, the good stuff again this is a pretty sweet death but it's really convoluted and just it's so many steps and processes she gets, gets it the worst out of yeah. all these i was gonna say this is the one that i remember watching that really stuck with me in terms of gruesome because there's just so much happening here and it looks very painful. Yeah, so she's, you know, moving shit around. She goes over to her computer and accidentally, like, leans the cup over, which is dripping. It drips down into the fucking mainframe of the computer the or whatever. Yeah. Sparks fly. It explodes, sending a shard of glass into her neck. She pulls that out and is bleeding everywhere and she's ultimately dripping the vodka. And so it starts like a fire and there's explosion, like explosion after explosion. There's, there's three explosions at yeah. least in this one scene. At the very least, this is a kitchen fire. Yeah. But like the whole house is just like, nah, I'm going to explode soon. Yeah. But f- so the first thing, like the vodka bottle blows up, it sends her on the floor. And then because she's again trying to like, 
keep the blood from, you know, keep herself from bleeding out, she goes to reach for, like, a towel or a cloth that's hanging on a butcher's block, and that sends a knife into her chest. It's ridiculous. Meanwhile, Devin Sawa, I guess, uh, because what there was that guy burning leaves and from he saw the fire from the leaves and so he gets yeah. like the hint like he's like oh shit she's gonna die <laughs> yeah so he rushes over comes inside and there's the knife in her chest he goes over to like pull it out and there's another explosion and it knocks the chair like falls on the knife pushing the and knife just deeper slams into her, into her. <laughs> and like a fucking idiot he pulls the knife out and just holds holds it, it looks at it and then drops it on the ground leaving blood stains his footprints in the blood and his handprints on the fucking knife what a derp dude He's never seen a, a movie derp. or an episode of law and order this is early 2000s and you're already under investigation by the fbi for blowing up a plane so dramatic convenience Billy showed up, Sean William Scott, he's just driving his bike. He literally rides his bike into every scene at the most like convenient yeah. moment. <laughs> but he's riding by. Hey, Alex. Yeah, Devin Sauer runs out of the house and it fucking explodes. Um, and so there we go, dude. Now he's a fugitive. So the FBI are looking for him. Carter, meanwhile, is carving his, Terry's name into the school memorial because she, she deserves it, all right? No, she's she Carter. Does. She got hit by a fucking bus like an idiot. <laughs> You could just drop fucking dad. <laughs> so Clear calls all of them together because she realizes, you know, that Alex knows who's going to die next. We need to go find him. And they find him on a beach, but it's just her who approaches him. Now, again, from the behind the scenes stuff, apparently there was a really big romantic subplot in this movie that dealt with them and their characters were more fleshed out. This was longer, a much longer scene here on the beach where they kind of kissed, I believe, and, and other stuff happened. Essentially, it gets cut down to her telling Devin Sawa this tragic story of her father's death which is basically like he was a really good guy and he believed a lot of people we won't go into details but it ends with his head got blown off went to 7-Eleven it was a 7-Eleven robbery gone wrong head blown off yep so they head to a cabin in the woods I guess to be safe but on their way there Carter essentially loses it and he's like you know what if I'm if gonna, gonna die, die anyway gonna I control out. it suicide yep. pack <laughs> <laughs> does a huge group decision <laughs> suicide packs four people immediately so he pulls like a Tyler Durden like just let go yeah. of the he's driving, driving with no yeah. hands he's speeding through like intersections and, and Stifler's doing a fucking comedy routine this whole time like I fucking hated French class or some bullshit <laughs> like that vomit. I should have felt up Chrissy in the pool yeah like just all his mistakes and regrets throughout life he's yeah. shouting out loud yeah <laughs> good stuff dude really funny <clears throat> so finally he comes to rest or stop at a, on tr- some train tracks the train is coming though and Carter's like I'm not getting out and they're all like open the fucking door Billy who's paralyzed in fear for yeah. some reason they get out and they're like Carter get out of the fucking car and eventually they convince him and he's like it's not my time <laughs> he goes to start the car but fuck dude death's intervening oh shit dude maybe it is his time but wait so alex goes to save him and his his uh seat belt won't break he can't get out of the car his car's locked and the train's so close and this is i would say a poor and also kind of good editing job because it's edited in a way to make you believe there's literally no time. Like, it's yeah. really suspenseful because it keeps flashing back and forth, the train coming and him trying to pull him out. Like, I like how. But, but, <laughs> but the, it makes no sense. But the editing cut doesn't show them jumping out of the way. It looks like they get hit. They should be dead. Like, yeah. it makes no sense. But they, they don't die. They fall off to the side. And then Billy does this whole thing where he walks over and he's like, 
I'm going to get away from you. Like, you're dead. You're dead. And you're not taking me with you. And meanwhile, this little fucking piece of, like, shrapnel, metal shrapnel, shoots out from underneath the train and chops his goddamn head off. Yeah. Actually, not even his whole head. Just, like, the top of it. Like, he cuts his head in half from, like, his upper lip up. Stifler's dead. Carter pissed himself. Carter pissed himself. And Fucking then, hilarious. And then, dude. yeah, Devin Sow was like, fuck, I'm gone. <laughs> I intervened. Like, it skipped him. You were supposed to be next, Carter. And then it was supposed to be Billy. And it skipped him. Went to Billy. I'm fucking gone. And I'm the next one to die. So he runs off to the cabin. Yeah. And so there's this stupid scene of him safe safe proofing this cabin he's putting like fucking corks on nails yeah, and like locking everything duct up taping everything it's so stupid eating, and then eating this <laughs> disgusting white canned ham i think it is substance yeah. with like gloves a, on a plastic spork and like gloves yeah. yeah and so as he's doing all this because he's just like washing his surroundings waiting for death to come get him or whatnot the wind blows in blows this bag over hits this fishing pole which opens this door which sends this knife almost through the door but he sees all this happen he jumps up to shut the close the door and the knife almost comes through and he's like fuck you death like I did it bro but that makes no sense because the knife wouldn't have got to him was where he say, was sitting had you not moved the, nothing, nothing would, would have happened. happened the door would have fallen and maybe a knife would have fell out but then the, the most bizarre and angering line yeah. he then picks up like a fishing hook and he's like rusted Tetanus. Tetanus. <laughs> like, good job, Death. Like, good try. <laughs> like, and then he calls him like a fuck. He's like, oh, yeah. He calls Death a fuck. <laughs> but yeah, he gives this whole speech like, I've got this. Like, you can't beat me, motherfucker. Do you think the filmmakers were just like, yes, Devin, work your magic? Oh, of course, dude. They were letting him roll. He's the guy from Idle Hands. I was going to say, <laughs> someone was like, is that the right line? He's like, dude, he was in Idle Hands. Let him go. <laughs> But then that whole scene is completely pointless when he realizes that he never moved in the seat in his premonition. And so basically, because he never moved, he wasn't next. It was actually clear. So his whole fucking, this whole safe proofing the cabin scene could have been removed entirely Entirely. because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Claire's the one next. So then he sets off to go find fucking Claire. And then the police, the FBI find him. He gets into a canoe and starts like paddling out to shore. And you know, every one of them fought the urge to blow his fucking head away at that moment. Like, I've got him this white privileged motherfucker. (laughs) Meanwhile, Claire like is dealing with another lightning strike. Oh my God. Lightning abounds, dude. It it strikes the pool outside. There's this cute little dog that we were both going to revolt if it died. It doesn't. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. But so, and she's like trying to like free the dog while like a a loose wire is like threatening to electrocute her. It, it's there's like a million things that she could a million ways to have died in this scene. Yeah, and that she avoids. And speaking of last week's Casper, this movie starts to Casper itself. Oh, it does. At this point, it starts to kind of break its own rules, and this is where it kind of loses me for a bit. Because at this point, he's trying to save her, so he's trying to find her. He's running through the woods, but it seems as though at every turn, Death is trying to kill him still, which doesn't make sense because Clear is supposed to be next. Right. So why is it trying to jump its own design? Like, he tumbles down a hill and, like, stops, a f- like, inches away from impaling him, his head. He Then a tree gets stuck by lightning and falls on top of him and he almost drowns, he almost in, a puddle. drowns in a puddle. Yeah, yeah, man, that's the fucking worst way to go yeah, ever. What a bitch way to die. <laughs> I drowned in a puddle. But yeah, Clear is again kind of cheating her way through death. Like all this shit's going on. There's fire and fucking sparks and all this shit. And he winds up finally getting out of this 
miserable puddle like what a derpy <laughs> douchebag and he looks gross still he just looks disgusting <laughs> but yeah it just makes me think like what constitutes cheating death i guess someone has to intervene by the the logic of these this movie or series whatever claire is now trying to drive away from the house i think that's right yeah she's in a garage yeah. and through this whole convoluted series of events like some yeah, kerosene goldberg yes yeah, again said. Lights the car on fire. There's an electric wire that lands on top, completely killing the battery. She can't get out, but the tires are grounded, so she's safe inside. And Devisoya, Sawa, fuck you. Sawa comes over, and he's like, you know, in order to save you, i got to sacrifice myself, but you know what to do when you get out. And she's like, no, which makes more sense when there's that romantic subplot. But here, here it's just barely like, done anything. You know, you know like what I mean? chick you've met, like, a few times. Yeah. Like, kind of strange. But he winds she's up cute, though. grabbing it. And yeah, electrocuting himself, he shoots off the back and falls down, and uh, that's it, dude. They start to give him CPR, and we flash to a white light. Now, I do want to stop here, because Mm -hmm. the documentary on the Blu-ray actually is all about test audiences and why it's so important to test movies. Some some filmmakers like Steven Spielberg will never test their films, because if you get a bad test audience and it's all just a bunch of dumb dickheads in there, suddenly your movie gets, suddenly your movie gets yeah. changed and it's for the worse. And this has happened to a lot of movies. If you mm-hmm. look through the history, like the test audiences can ruin movies. 28, However, 28 days later, one of my favorite horror movies ever, the ending was changed because of test. Oh, audiences. really? Was it just like considered too dark or something like that? Yeah. So in this one, originally it was actually a super sad and melodramatic ending. Really? Like, he does die there. He gets like set on fire and then she's like pregnant with his kid and then they have the kid Whoa. and then her she becomes friends with like Carter and Carter lives at the end and like people were pissed that Carter lived and it was literally just like a melodramatic that's it. Which I also want to say, which would mean that no one would die after an hour and 13 minutes in. We pause this at Billy's death. The final death happens. At an hour and 13 minutes yeah. until the final frames of the movie in the reshoot, which I guess cost $2 million. And the, the executives were like, we're so thankful we did. Because literally everyone coming out of the theater was like, imagine you just have like this. The whole movie's like built on this. It's fun. The deaths work. Like, right. And that's what the executives like. The deaths work. We need to go back and give them one last hurrah. So instead, we get this ending, which I'm so glad they did because apparently they said like people were cheering at the end. And, you know, <laughs> that aside, it is a fun ending. So yeah. cut to, I think it's what, six months later. Six months later, they're finally taking their trip to France, dude. Yeah, Alex Carter and uh, Clear. Alex and Clear, for some reason, both blonde now. Well, probably because they had to reshoot. No, exactly. Yeah, they probably come back from some yeah. other movie or some um, shit. But yeah, and they're dating now, of course, because yep. they're holding hands. And Carter's a badass. But fucking Alex can't let it go. He's like, uh, something confuses me. And I'm not going to get into what confuses him, because it also confuses me. I have no idea what the hell he was talking Basically, about. Basically, yeah, he takes out... Uh, he has that sheet on him at all times, I guess, which is really weird. Let it go, bro. They're chatting at this cafe, and he's, yeah, he's like, uh, it doesn't make sense that, you know, it's skipped this person but didn't do this. No one intervened with my death, so technically I should still be next. And then Carter's like, well, guess what? I'm the safest motherfucker around because you're still in front of me. Right. And then... Clear gets this like kind of premonition of this bus. She sees a reflection similar to the in the beginning, and then there's this whole convoluted. It hits a uh, lever that hits a sign. The sign comes down, and Carter pushes Alex out of the way just as it's about to hit him, and he lands on the ground. And he's like, "Oh shit!" And he's like, oh, "I guess you were next." And he's like, "Well, just skip me." And then he's like, "Well, who's next?" And then and bam, yeah, the, sign the hits the him sign in the back. Hits him in the back. Cut to black, and that's final destination. 
Oh, man. Holy shit, dude. What an ending, dude. And then we get this... Some great 90s uh, rock song in there. Yep. I think it's... I'm not free to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Oh, it's a movie about death. Got yeah, you it. Get it. We get it. Yeah, we get it. What's your thoughts? Dude, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I can't believe how much I actually still like this movie. I, like, I... I can honestly say this is one of the very few times since we started doing this podcast that I came into a movie not really expecting to still like it and still, like, kind of liking it. Yeah. This is a logical extension of the slasher genre in this early 2000s era. Like, you can only go so far with a guy with a knife and a mask stalking people. And this was a a creative and original take on the slasher teen genre. Right. By making death this central character, how's it going to kill you? I had a lot of fun during this movie. There's, you have to suspend your disbelief. Yes. Devin Sawa, you have to look past his gross face if you're watching this in Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, he's the worst part, by far. But, like, it's a fun movie compared to these other, you know, teen slashers. This one is, I think, w- one of the better ones. I mean, if we're going to compare it to a lot of the slashers and movies like that that were coming out around this time, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Which came Way out, better what, than that. The, the year before? This came out, that came out in 97. This is three okay, years three later. three years later. Okay, so, I mean, far and away better than yeah. I Know What You Did Last Summer because, like you said, it is original. It does have this kind of new take on a genre that I think at that point was getting a little tired. Sure. And I, I am the biggest horror fan. I love slasher movies. Mm-hmm. We'll get into this on, you know, the Halloween H2O and how obsessed I was with the horror genre and these characters and these killers and Final Destination was just a new a new exciting take on it yeah. and I loved it back in the day it's a movie now that I actually think the sequel did it a bit better where it embraced like what people liked about these movies was not the teenage melodrama it was the deaths and how crazy and bizarre we can get with them the effects are a bit, are a bit better in the second one the characters they don't have a good as a cast the cast is definitely better here mm-hmm. and so I will say the first one for being the first and probably being the best written out of all of the sequels and whatnot is probably the best movie. This is the best one in the franchise. Mm. Compared to most uh, horror franchises, this one's one of the more solid ones, I'd say. Like, Absolutely. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. This isn't a good movie, really, in any no. respects. No. You know what I mean? But I'm going to go kind of high on this one. I'm giving it a 55. It was an enjoyable. It has a uh, 6.7 on IMDb and a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, so a pretty high rating considering a 34 For fans, this was a... Dis- yeah, yeah, and actually this was featured in, I think, uh, it was either Rotten Tomatoes or one of those uh, critic aggregate sites list of like 50 movies critics got wrong. I, and you know what? I was just about to say, I agree with that. I think this is one where I genuinely disagree with the critics, which is not normally a stance I take. Yeah. But um, I'm also, I think I'm going to float it around a 50. Yeah. I, I really did enjoy this. Yeah. I can't, you know, I've had, I've had fun watching some of these movies, but just because we're having fun watching it. This one was one that I think if I sat down by myself and watched it, I'd still at the end of the movie be like, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that to a, a level degree. Uh, the, I do have problems with it. Um, oh, yeah. It's far from perfect. Far, far, <laughs> For far sure. from perfect. And most of these movies Devin are Sala in the genre. should not be in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, and your last kill count can't be 20 minutes before the end of the movie. I will say that. Like this that. does this does would benefit from just more kills. Yeah. I mean, a bit uh, more people dying. But uh, 
I enjoyed it. I really had fun. So yeah, 50. There's a few little tidbits of info I want to drop on you here before we get going. Uh, this was actually started as an X-Files spec script, which makes a lot of sense. Whoa, this was going to be an episode okay. or two of X-Files, and they turned it into a feature film. I mean, the, Which is a good idea. Okay, they, yeah, that's kind of cool. Run with it. I didn't know that. The Chinese title for this movie is The Death God Comes. Okay. And I saved the last and best bit of trivia. Here we go. Perfect. Who do you think was originally cast for Alex and Claire? Holy shit. Um, I, what I will give you a hint is uh, there are two people that went on to star in a major uh, Hollywood blockbuster film franchise, and they were right there in the to- late 90s. Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst. Yes, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Tobey Maguire and, and Kristen, Kristen Dunst were, Holy crap. <laughs> were cast I was literally, in this movie. Ju- the minute you said, who do you think, yep. I was like, Tobey Maguire would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dude, done. <laughs> Holy crap. I swear to God, that wasn't scripted. That's by the so way. amazing. That's amazing. Um, and I guess, lastly, you know, for the for the year two thousand, this is when blockbusters were king. Man, this was the top five of the year. I mentioned earlier, forty ninth. This came in number one was How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which guess what, motherfuckers, is coming in December. Yeah, I December promise you that Christmas It'll be, episode, yep. it's coming. Uh, number two, uh, the aforementioned Castaway. Number mm-hmm. three, Mission Impossible Two. Number four, Gladiator. And number oh. five, What Women Want. Remember what, that with wow, Mel Gibson? Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what a oh year to God. be alive, yeah, 2000, that's, good, that's a good movie year. Well, shit, that was fun, dude. I, I, I had enjoy, so much I, fun I watching this movie, man. And this I think we're going to have just as much fun with Halloween H2O. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, we're going to have a blast. And I, it's so, like, Halloween-themed-y. I'm glad we got to do Final Destination. I am, too. But I'm also glad we get to do, like, a Halloween-themed movie as well. Yeah, the tie really worked in our favor. It really it did, really because did. I wanted Halloween H2O, and you wanted, and Final, wanted Final Destination. Like, this worked out so perfectly. Thank you to our fans who voted <laughs> I guess that, you really. know, we thought the same way. Everybody's a winner here. <laughs> exactly. So, again, stay tuned for uh, Halloween. That'll be Halloween H2O. And, and that will drop on Halloween. That's right. So, we've been teasing that... Uh, November is going to be listener request month, and we have a couple of the movies picked out. We do have the first one we're going to do, which uh, I'm pretty excited about this one, Mighty Joe Young. Oh, man, this is going to be great. There's yeah. actually five Thursdays in November, mm-hmm. so you'll be getting five episodes, all listener requests, all uh, you know, listener submission. submitted. Yes, so hopefully so. we'll get in uh, a lot of requests. We've got quite a few. And again, even if for some reason we don't cover the movie that you wanted us to, Send us again because we're gonna keep those ideas. Like half of the movies that we've gotten were, were listener, you know, submissions. Yeah, just and because so. just because this is listener request month doesn't mean we're not taking listener requests ever again. Exactly. We just we, just, we were gonna dedicate November solely to you guys because we appreciate you guys because a lot of people are listening lately and we we love it. So yeah, write us in, write into us, nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail dot com. Check us out on Facebook. You know what? We're probably going to start a Twitter pretty soon. Get yeah, up in that, that in the modern world of the uh, social media. Yeah, so we'll we'll have a Twitter handle for you. Hopefully by the next episode, maybe, maybe by the, the next Halloween episode, one, we'll see. Um, but. Uh, yeah, anything else that you want to mention? Uh, Dude, I think that's good. Again, yeah. if you guys really want to help us out, uh, give us a review on iTunes. That yep. certainly helps. You can go on iTunes. Just look us up, Nostalgia Be Damned. You can also go on nbd.podbean.com, which is where we are hosted. You can leave a comment there. Um, and our Facebook, obviously, Nostalgia Be Damned. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So uh, Halloween H2O coming up on Halloween night. Then Mighty Joe Young. Uh, the first week in November, I I think that's it. That's pretty perfection. Much. Yeah, no, I, we're we're in good shape. Uh, just a quick announcement, a uh, big announcement. I haven't told Brandon this. I'm I'm very excited. Um, I was 
Uh, it turns out you were right. The network does listen to the podcast. Uh, knew immediately that I wasn't Ryan Philippi. My internship there has been terminated. So my idea to work up the ranks and get us um, picked up by the network by becoming an executive there uh, has fallen through. Well, good. But, but oh, the upside. Shit. Dude, no, you're excited about this because uh, one of the executives found out about this. And he said, uh, quote, hey, kid, you got some serious balls on you. Uh, I'm going to give your show a chance. So we're back on the network, dude. I don't believe you. I don't believe that quote either. I don't believe that no, quote either. No, we're back on the network. I'm not kidding. We're on the network. Thank you, everybody who supported us. The lawsuits have been dropped. I finally settled everything with Harvard. We're back no, on the didn't. network, baby. Something Woo! tells me we won't be next episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Whatever. shit, dude. Anyway, listen up. I control my life and not you, all right? I'm never going to die. I'm never <laughs> going to die. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. You? He was born in the summer of his 27th year. Coming home to a place he'd never been before. He left yesterday behind him. You might say he was born again. You might say he found the key for every door. When he first came